0: you want to hear something really confusing? Last January, 2017, WBAL ran this story. The new rankings put Baltimore in the bottom 15% of 150 cities when it comes to best places for jobs. Best on the list, Scottsdale, Arizona. Nearby Washington is at 23, New York 101, and Baltimore is at 127. The rankings weigh cost of living, unemployment rates, and lack of opportunity. Over the past 40 years, Baltimore has seen a steady loss of jobs, according to state data. In 1969, there were more than 540,000 jobs in the city. By 2014, the number of jobs had dropped to 399,363. Then, three months later, WJZ ran this story about employment.
1: BALTIMORE IS ONE OF THE TOP 25 CITIES FOR JOB OPPORTUNITIES. THAT'S A NEW REPORT COMPARED PLACES BASED ON JOB OPENINGS, SALARY, AND COST OF LIVING. Tristan YOUNG EXPLAINS WHY CHARM CITY MADE THE LIST.
0: EXPERTS TELL WJZ MILLENNIALS ARE A VERY BIG DRIVING FACTOR BECAUSE THEY ARE CHOOSING TO MOVE TO BALTIMORE AND STAY. Employment opportunities are on an upward trend in Charm City. The job recruiting site Glassdoor ranked Baltimore 17 out of 25 cities, comparing places based on hiring opportunity, work and life balance, and career satisfaction. So who's right? I have no idea, but we're going to take a look at employment on this episode of I Love Humans. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Josh Taransky. I'm the host of I Love Humans. This is episode four, and today we're going to tap into a really important subject, the issue of employment. Now, whether WJZ or WBAL is right uh, really doesn't matter a whole lot to me. When I'm working in the Compassion Center, people are walking in the door. One of the most common issues that people are facing is the issue of employment. An improved life is oftentimes tied in with uh, employment. Uh, people are looking for work. They're trying to find a job. They're trying to find a better job. And I realize that if I'm going to be working with people and if we love humans... We need to figure out how to best serve those who are trying to find a job. So uh, we're going to go all over the place in today's episode. It should be fun. I'm excited about the interviews. Uh, Grateful for those who sat down and gave me a little bit of their time. And hopefully you walk away with this uh, with some good action items in ways that you can help our neighbors be more employed. Okay, let's talk about some of the challenges that uh, people face before we get into Um, the solutions that exist here in Southeast Baltimore, Um, if if you're poor, um, it's very likely that there can be a criminal background that goes with your poverty. And um, there's an unfortunate relationship that exists between poverty and a criminal record. Um, There's obviously the pressures that come along with poverty Um, that sometimes press people into bad influences or make people desperate to do desperate things. But there's another side to um, having a criminal record as well, which is that if you do get in trouble, oftentimes the poor are are underrepresented when they go to court or they may um, not have a good understanding of the legal system. So let's say you have a young man. He gets um, caught up in something. Maybe he's guilty, not guilty, but he ends up being charged with a felony offense. He goes to court, and as he's in court, all he has access to because of his finances is maybe a public defender if he knows that he's supposed to ask for a public defender. Um, And the public defenders are oftentimes so overloaded with their cases that Many, many, many felony cases are pled out. So you'll get uh, a plea deal and that person from a young age will end up with a, f- a felony record and that sticks with them as they try to go and get employed. So we'll spend another episode talking about um, legal aid and legal assistance. It is it's a huge issue for those who are impoverished. There's a disadvantage that the poor face when it comes to the criminal system. That's the first challenge. So there are many employers that just right off the bat, um, the door is not open to you if you have a criminal record. Second um, is the issue of communication. So you go and you try to apply for a job. You've got to put down a cell phone number. You need to put down an email address. You have to be able to be gotten a hold of. Um, But if you're poor, um, then... Uh, having a consistent phone number that people can reach you at is sometimes a challenge. Um, I've found that in the Compassion Center. Um, somebody will give me a phone number, and then I'll call it, and it'll say, this phone number has been disconnected. It's out of service. There's no ability to follow up. Then I'll see that person a month later. and I'll say, hey, I tried to get a hold of you. Uh, where were you at? And they'll say, oh, I had to get a new phone. Uh, that one, I couldn't keep paying on that one. So there's a the whole issue of, of communication, obviously the ability to do email means that you're going to have to have some type of internet access whether it's through the library or you have a smartphone that works and you have a data plan. Um, so communication is another gap that people kind of fall through as they're looking for work. Then um, you've got the issue of immigration, having the right paperwork to be able to get a job. Um, another aspect is just the crisis that come up in the life of somebody that is poor. So Having a lack of money can cause a ton of stress. It can cause stress on relationships. And so there's an overall instability in the life of somebody that is impoverished. Um, They're uh, often in turmoil. Uh, Their housing situation may be in flux. Um, One minute they may feel like they're living in a location, but then they get kicked out because of some instance um, uh, in, in the home. And so a life of crisis would be another challenge that people face. Um, Then you have single parents. You maybe have a mom or a dad, and all of the parenting falls onto their shoulders. And so they've not only got to try to find a job, but they also have to find childcare and juggle childcare and work at the same time and try to figure out how are my kids going to be cared for while I'm working. Uh, This causes a number of kids to be at home alone um, because parents just don't have a good option of where where to send their kids. Um, Then you've got the issue of transportation. Um, So in Baltimore City, we have a bus system, kind of a new bus system. Um, and some people are I, – I don't. I actually don't run into many people that are thrilled with the current bus system, um, and it's a general complaint about the city is that there's a lack of transportation. It oftentimes takes a couple of hours to get where you need to go. So for, for, for example, um, working with a guy, he was in the city. Um, his family had to get moved because of a crisis out down to Glen Burnie. The housing authority placed him in a hotel down there, but his employment is in Canton. Um, So in order to get from Glen Burnie to Canton, he had to do two hours worth of public transportation just to get to work on a daily basis. That's two work. Then at the end, when his his shift gets over, he gets off late at night and he's trying to scramble for some form of transportation in the middle of the night. No um, metro link system works from what he says at night. Again, it's just a mess. Transportation is another huge challenge that people face. Uh, then you've got the lack of formal education, you've got a huge dropout rate, low attendance in schools, um, you've got a lack of professional skill training that exists. Okay, so then let's say you get a um, let's say you go, you get a callback on an application that you've put in there at Walmart or Target, and um, or even a job offer, and they say, okay, the dress is, you know, you have some black khakis, you need to wear a red shirt for to work at Target or whatever, whatever it is. Um, well, where are you going to get that? If you don't have don't have money, don't have the resources, don't have transportation, where are you going to go and get the clothes to work? So that's another challenge that people face. Um, then working a, kind of against the uh, I- incentive to get employment is the welfare system itself. So if you do well and you get employed, if you make over a certain amount of money, then your whole lifestyle changes. The The temporary cash assistance that you receive, you lose. Um, all this stuff um, affects, uh, affects you, and so you have to weigh out, do I want a job or do I want to, keep, do I want to stay on welfare? Um, we would say that that's, that could possibly disincentivize somebody from going and getting employed um, where they may be qualified. Uh, then you have English as a second language. We have a number of immigrants, especially that live in southeast Baltimore. Maybe there's a language barrier that's there. Um, And the last thing on the list here is just a professional network. You want to go, you want to find work, but you do not have that pre-existing fabric or or network of relationships that you can tap into to try to get the job. So when we're talking about employment um, and we're we're talking about low-income people who are suffering in poverty trying to go and get a job – It's not that easy. There's at least 10 to 15 different obstacles that will have to be overcame in order for that individual to be steadily employed. So as part of this research project, I looked around Southeast Baltimore, and uh, one of the great resources that exists out there, or a starter resource, is to just call 211.
1: Thank you for calling 211-Maryland a free 24-hour service that provides information on health and human services. If you are in immediate need of medical attention, please hang up and dial 911.
0: My conversation with 211 went pretty well. Um, I spoke with Elaine, and she gave me, uh, it looks like about six other groups that I could contact in southeast Baltimore that help with employment.
1: If you know your party's extension, please press it now. If not, please
2: press zero for the operator.
0: Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get anyone on the phone. I was able to get a hold of Humanum by email. And they put me in touch with Kanika Feastered Gordon, who was willing to sit down with me and talk through um, their workforce development program. Humanum has an excellent reputation in the city. I only heard about them not through the internet or a Google search, but through word of mouth. And it was a great privilege to sit down and talk with Kanika. Okay, so I'm heading to Humanum. My, my goal today is to learn a little bit more about employment in Baltimore City. Humanum is a nonprofit organization. Uh, they have a beautiful building off of Gay Street. Um, I'm going to be speaking with one of their top administrators about uh, their programs, how they help people, what that looks like in Baltimore City. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's helpful.
3: So my name is Kanika Feaster-Gordon, and I'm the Vice President of Workforce Development and Youth Transition Services here at Humanum. And so that pretty much is a, a big title to say that I focus on workforce development and really assisting people getting back into work and being as financially um, su- um, sustainable as possible. And so within that space, we're working with um, youth, we're working with kids, and we're also working with adults. And so for me, every single day, it's about um, you know inspiring individuals to be the best that they can be. Humanum itself, we've been around for about 46 years, and um, we have like a history of actually supporting um, um, economically, um, empowering people um, throughout 46 years history. And so we do that by way of 40 various programs that we offer here, and those um, programs fall within the areas of human services, youth services, workforce development, and a new um, term called social enterprise. And so we've been around not only here in Baltimore City, but really throughout Maryland and also in Delaware. And so really our organization is founded on the belief that every human being has a potential um, and that work is transformative with the goal of creating economic equality for individuals with disabilities and social economic challenges. So because we have been around for 46 years we've worked with thousands of individuals um, in that spectrum of getting people from point A to point B and really looking at them as a person and their equitable rights.
0: In just a second, we'll go back to Kanika, but I want to introduce you to someone who went through the Humanum program and introduce you to her story. Her name's Catherine. She was kind enough to give me a little bit of time on her lunch break. She's one of the success stories that came out of Humanum. and, And while Kanika does a great job of communicating what Humanum has to offer, I want to give the human side of this as well and allow you to hear from somebody who went through their programs and succeeded and is doing it well in life. Tell me a little bit about Catherine before, um, like four years ago. Who are you?
2: Four years ago, um, I would say I was a little less focused in one area. Um, I was working with children with special needs and um, happy with what I was doing but kind of unsatisfied about the way I was going about it. So um, just somebody kind of still searching for something that would kind of hone my talents and give me some direction.
0: Wow. And um, how old are you now?
2: Thirty.
0: Thirty. Okay. So how did you get the job working with kids?
2: Um, I had some background with working with kids from teenager, so babysitting and um, working in church ministry, well, and um, some tutoring, I'd done a job with some tutoring, and so that allowed me the opportunity to uh, help students in an educational setting with special needs.
0: So when you say that you felt like you were in a rut. Describe that rut a little bit better.
2: I'm just not motivated uh, for anything in particular. Um, Not really sure what I could do with my talent Mm -hmm. or um, yeah, not focused. I'm kind of frustrated with not being able to use some things that I was good at or not feeling heard. And um, some of my organizational skills, I just felt like I didn't have the opportunity to use those where I was. So, I was just looking for something that would kind of expand and help me learn more about myself so I can yeah. use them.
0: So, what brought you to Humanum?
2: A friend of mine who had done a cohort for Humanum previously um, just boasted about how good the program was and what it did for her and um, where she was placed um, once she finished. And it sounded like something, you know, why not try it? So. Um, I went for the preliminary um, meetings just to see what it was about. And it sounded like something I was interested in. Mm. So I just took it as the opportunity for growth training.
0: This is what Humanum's good at. They're good at taking a person who's ready to go, somebody who's ready to learn and advance their career or get their career started, go through some training and get out into the workforce. Here's a little bit more from Kanika.
3: We really look at it from an approach of an individual coming through our doors, not just as a a number from a grant that we're trying to continue to get funded from, but a person who's looking for the next step and what can we do to pour into their lives to connect them to their goals and their dreams. And so when we hear back from our graduates how our training has impacted not only their careers, but their personal selves, it's an amazing um, testament to, um, to what can be done when you just wrap your hands around people and love them and then um, push them to do the best they can do.
0: And that's what I was seeing in Catherine. As I was talking with her out in the you know on a park bench, um, I was seeing a person who had had that care and that investment from Humanum in their life and now was starting a new season, an exciting new season uh, of life.
3: Our team comprises of a soft skills or training facilitator who really works through all of those. How do you show up every day on time? How are you the best you when you show up? How do you communicate on the job? So we understand that, that soft skills is an important thing to touch upon. What's the resume look like? How do you answer basic interview questions? We have a case manager who's a part of the team, and again, that's that person to say, hey, what's what stopped you from being successful in your career path thus far? What can we do to identify some, some basic employment goals, and how can we work through that? They're also the person to say, hey, once you get hired for a job, what can we do as far as a financial stability space? You have a paycheck. What are you doing with that money to be able to impact um, your financial goals? Let's talk about that. Let's pull your credit score. Let's see what we can do to help you get a better credit score. Um, Let's help you set um, set a goal to save so many dollars. And if you do, then we will give you a match. It's a program that we have a BB&T bank, and so we've seen people like Miss Jones, um, who actually was able to purchase a car because she's saving responsibly and able to show, you know, with lenders for it to get a home that she has an account and is doing the right thing. Um, and then we also have a job developer because we know that a person who's coming into the program um, wants to get employment. That's the whole purpose, and we can't wait too long because we we know that if a person finishes our training program and it takes longer than a month to get them into a job, we're going to lose them because they need a job immediately. So that job developer is is touching base of our employers to say, hey, here are some of the programs. We need to create a partnership. How can you work with us, with your recruitment teams, your hiring managers, to make sure that once we finish training a person, that we can get them to you. And, And not only do you just look at their application, but you put them in front of a hiring manager and give them an interview. And worst case scenario, they're not the best person for the job. At least you can give them pointers of what to do differently. You give us pointers on what we can do to train differently so that when and they next time sit in front of you or somebody else, they're getting the job. And so, so ultimately, um, our training programs run at different um, lengths, but for the majority of them, we're looking at between 9 to 12 weeks.
0: I talked to Catherine about this as well. I asked her to describe the process that she went through. Okay, so describe the humanum process. So You checked it out, and then what yeah. were some of the other steps?
2: Um, I went for what they call the information session. and. Um, Just got some information on what the program would be like and what their expectations were. Um, Did some testing just to find out basic level um, math and reading skills, reading comprehension. Um, And once I passed, I received some information about... uh,
0: Unfortunately, a crowd walked by as she was describing this, and the audio is not great, but... You get the sense that, that she that the, the care that she got, the training that she got was holistic. Um, they're eliminating the gaps that exist that people fall through as they go out and look for jobs. Wow. Okay. What, what are some of the stuff they cover in the classes?
2: Um, some core tips on professionalism, customer service, appearance. Um your day-to-day inside various offices. Um, we had some experience in learning the difference between an ad- institutional, um, like education, versus the medical field, I'm working in a hospital or so. Um, I was taught, oh, we did a Microsoft Office um, training. So we went to CCBC and had a professor teach us the whole scope of the right. Microsoft Suite and was able to take the test, and all of that was included in the program. Take the test and you pass and become a Microsoft Office Specialist.
0: What about um, when you're done with the program, how do you get employed?
2: Um, As soon as you finish your specialist training, they begin um, really focusing on your resume and your cover letters and building it up to par so that you're seen by employers, which was huge for me because I thought that my resume was good um, until I saw what employers were looking for and I'm like, no wonder Hopkins never calls back, <laughs> not even in the pool. Um, and so after they went through it with like a fine tooth comb and really helped you understand what you need to add based on your personality and your strengths, your own resume. Um, then they send you out to apply to other employers. Um, they give you a list of positions and you choose which ones you apply for. And um, the interview process is um, pretty organic. Like, they call you back and you start the process the way that you would with any other job. It's um, all up to you. It is what you make it.
0: Now, Catherine is as sweet as can be. She wouldn't hurt a fly. But that's not necessarily everybody that I talk to in the Compassion Center. And there are a number of individuals who come to me looking for work who have a checkered past almost have a checkered present. And so I asked Kanika about that. I, I asked her whether humanum can help people who have a criminal background. Here's what she had to say.
3: Yeah, so we work with, you know, all ages and with all right. types of backgrounds. Now, obviously, employers can be a little bit more subjective to what type of background an individual um, has that they would accept. But as far as my training support aspect, you know, we started off working with, you know the hardest to serve. That's what we're known for is working with the hardest to serve. Um, for instance, we have a um, a program called Workforce Solutions out in Baltimore County, and we're working with um, adults um, who have been on TCA for 48 months, if not more. So that's you know traditionally known as welfare. And so when you're looking at individuals who um, are receiving those type of services, and we're trying to get encourage them to you know to get involved with employment. Um, you know that's a, a very hard-to-serve population, and we're very, very successful. We've been doing this since 1997 with that particular um, group of individuals, and so I say that to say that you know um, when people walk through our doors, we're not judging them for what they are or what they're not. It's understanding what has prevented you from being successful. What are you committed? What are you making that commitment to as of today? And what can we do to help you get to the next space? Mm-hmm. And so um, just like how we work with those adults 18 and over, we also have programs for youth. Um, so we have um, students who are in high school who are. Looking to graduate, and we have a program called Start on Success, where we're really working with youth who have a learning, a learning disability and um, need to get access or acclimated to um, to. Opportunities and careers and so we actually put those individuals through a 16-week work um, a paid work Based learning experience, so they literally are going into a hospital or into a YMCA or into some of our other employer um, partners and actually working about you know three hours a day over you know um, five days a week so they can actually learn about what it is to work in a particular um, career um, in a hospital, whether it's patient transport services or maybe it's a front desk receptionist. There's a, a, a variety of different positions we put them in to give them an idea as to what is it that you're interested in. Once you graduate, what is going to be your next steps? Because there's also trends showing that once young people graduate, if they're not exposed to these career paths, then they don't know what to do, especially if they're not going to college. so I all to say that we work with all you know age groups and backgrounds and that's really been our expertise for, um, for the past 46 years.
0: Back in March of this past year my friend Miss Neal who is the service coordinator at Douglas Homes, called me up said Mr. Josh I've got a guy that I need you to help. She went on to tell me about a man who was a single father and taking care of his teenage daughter and he had found himself in an upside-down position financially because he had worked a bunch of overtime in his job. And when the housing authority went to verify his income, they saw his inflated paycheck uh, that reflected that overtime work, and his monthly rent went from the subsidized $200 a month up to close to $800 a month. And he was facing eviction if he couldn't pay his mounting debt. So Miss Neal put me in contact with this young man. And uh he and I went out to eat, had a dinner together, and you know, when when you first meet somebody who's in need, um I I do this multiple times throughout the week and I find myself operating from a guarded position. Um, there's a lot of people that have a lot of stories, and as much as I want to help people, I don't have a lot of resources, and I've heard a lot of bad stories. And some of them I have found to be true, and others of them I have found to be false. But this young man, he shared about how he had found employment, how he was working hard, how he was given overtime hours, he thought that was a good option, and was doing really well. Uh, he was trying to avoid bad elements. He was trying to stay out of trouble, but unfortunately, he was being penalized by the system. I asked Kanika about this whole issue: whether or not um, welfare was working with or against their efforts as a nonprofit workforce development organization.
3: So I think there is a a challenge there, and I think that's something that um, from a policy. Perspective: A lot of nonprofits who do this work are really trying to advocate for the individuals that we serve, because um, you know the whole goal um, when you're looking at a person who's receiving that type of benefit is to eventually get them off. I mean, there is a, a point where it's like, hey, you're not going to be eligible to receiving any more funding because you've been really funded out. And so for us, we're you know um, we do have those conversations with individuals so that we can you know um, share with them the background as to you know what. Um, what happens when you start um, to get into employment and so that's why it's really important for us um, to make sure we had that case manager um, present to work alongside them so that if an individual who's now used to receiving a certain dollar amount is now um, having to um, change the way that their household um, has operated because of employment, that we can be there to be able to help walk them through the steps. And so, really, for us, the goal is: to, how can we fi- help you find a job that's going to be able to meet your financial needs, so that once your benefits are starting to um, decrease, that you're not seeing the gap. But I think across the board, um, there is issues there too, where you know where people are, in my opinion, being penalized for getting the job and doing the necessary steps to try to be able to put their life back together. And maybe they're just not ready yet from a transitional aspect, but you know from a governmental assistance piece, it's like, oh, we need to kind of cut the ties that bind. So we do a lot of work in that, in that space and, and, and advocating. And so, um, and so it is unfortunate sometimes, but again, that's where we try to really make sure we're working in tandem with the people we serve.
0: I spoke with one more organization about employment in Southeast Baltimore, and that's the Employment Connection Center. Every week, multiple times a week, I get emails from Daryl Falls at the Employment Connection Center. It's, It's a Baltimore City initiative to help people find jobs. They're located in southwest Baltimore. Uh, but they are connected to employers around the city. And every week I get these emails with different announcements about job opportunities, flyers, and postings about different uh, employers that are hiring. Hi, Employment
1: Connection Center.
0: Hey there. I was trying to see if Daryl Falls was in. Um, can I ask who's calling? This is Josh Teransky.
1: Josh Teransky? Yes. Okay. Hold on one
0: second. Thank you. Durell, how can I help you? Hey, Durell, this is Josh Teransky. Hey, um, just really quickly, the main thing that I'm focused in on with just my research on employment is I get these, you send me emails every week about <coughs> jobs that are available. Right. right. And so um, tell me, like, what's the what's the background behind uh, those those emails and the stuff that you send out?
1: Well, uh, one, um, we work closely with most employers in Baltimore City. Um, When employers come to Baltimore City or employers that have been here for a long time, we've already established relationships with them. So they send us alerts when they need candidates. And when they send us those alerts, we formulate uh, marketing materials like flyers and other materials to put out mainly on our social media sites. Mm-hmm. facebook instagram and then we send it out to all of our candidates via email who have came through our office seeking services so that's why you see the email so much
0: okay last question in general where would you say uh employment in the city is at is there more jobs than there are people oh, or a lot of jobs now oh there's so many good jobs
3: now um there's more jobs than people and mm-hmm. that's a good thing <laughs> a few years ago
1: was more people than jobs, but now it's kind of flipped. So it's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, I'm I'm planning out recruitment events all the way into August already where employers are coming in. So um, there's a lot of employment out there right now. Uh, what we're trying to do now is do a lot of the hard work on getting candidates prepped. making sure their interviews are ready, making sure their resumes are tight, making sure they understand the job market, making sure they understand how to find their niche. Yeah, there's a lot of jobs, but which job is for you? Because there's a lot of jobs out there don't mean that's the the best place for you to go. So we try to help them narrow that down. We do assessments with them, which is career assessments. Uh, We do workshops with them, which is soft skills workshops. And, of course, every Wednesday we host the job club.
0: Right. That's what I was going to ask. So the Wednesday morning thing is the one that's there in southwest Baltimore.
1: Yeah, that's every Tuesday. I mean, every Wednesday at 10 o'clock. And that time is also open for employers to come in and do recruitment if they want to come in on that day. Or some of them may send me some information saying, Darrell, I know you're – a uh, job club is this Wednesday I can't make it but could you announce that I need these type of opportunities
0: okay all right there you go Daryl Falls get on his email list so you too can get the updates of potential jobs in the area so let's close this out with some practical thoughts what can we do to help people around us get employed and Let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. So, one of the things I did was I listed out at least 10 challenges that people face, especially people that are in poverty, face as they try to seek employment. And when we go to these different organizations, what we find is that they're trying to fill the gap, they're trying to remove those obstacles, those challenges, so that there's this clear pathway into employment. And I really appreciate what the organizations are doing. At the same time, as individuals, we can attempt to fill those gaps as well. We can provide somebody with a ride to a job. We can um, try to help somebody problem solve their communication issue. We can help somebody clean up their resume. Um, We can try to help somebody get English classes or learn English. There are a number of ways that rather than having a comprehensive program where we can uh, just work with an individual and fill a gap. Um, So I'd encourage you, go back, listen to that list, consider how you might just partner with somebody on the process to finding a job. Uh, One of the things I like to do is just um, when I see people working, especially privately owned companies, contractors... um, mom-and-pop shops, those kind of things. I love to just get contact information and say, hey, I come across people who are looking for work sometimes. Um, Can I just get your number? And I'll save that so that uh, the next time I find somebody that I feel would be qualified, I can pass that information along. It's been great to spend this episode with you. Um, Again, I want to thank Haven City Church for sponsoring the I Love Humans podcast. You can check them out at baltimorechurch.com. Uh, Again, my name is Josh Taransky. You can find me online and social media. I'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment. um, If you go to the um, host site for the podcast, you can leave a comment below this episode. Love to hear your feedback. And we'll be back next time we have a new episode.